This morning I'd like to begin in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Hebrews 10.19 I can't speak for anybody else, but I can tell you that this week my faith was tested uh, very strongly this week. as well as I know some of you, not all of you. Hebrews 10.19 Therefore, brothers, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He consecrated for us, through the veil that is His flesh, His body, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is faithful. We can come boldly before the Lord for one reason and one reason only. Because of faith in Jesus. This new and living way, the new covenant. Jesus gave Himself So everything, the foundation of our faith is right here. That's why we have favor with God. And we can come boldly to the throne of grace. To enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And only by the blood of Jesus. This is why we qualify to enter into the holiest of all. To enter before the throne of God in prayer is because of the blood of Jesus and faith in that blood. And he said, let us hold on to that without wavering. This is talking not only about, this is talking about our salvation, of course, but it's talking about more than that. To be able to enter God's, before God's throne with boldness. And we read that later on in the same chapter, I mean, in verse 35, we continue in verse 35. Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. You have a need of endurance, or some versions say patience, that after you have done the will of God, you'll receive what is promised. In verse 38, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no delight in him. But we are not those who draw back into perdition, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. The just shall live by faith. 
quoting from Habakkuk in the Old Testament. This is not just a profession. It is a way of life. It is a way to live by, to live by faith. We got problems in our marriage. We got problems with our children. We got problems with our parents. We got people that are sick. We got issues that look like mountains. That how in the world are these things ever going to be solved? And we get discouraged. We get distressed. Hold on. We have to embrace these things with trust. Chapter 4, verse 14 of Hebrews, same book. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, this is about our life and our problems and our issues. It says we have a high priest who offered blood for us. Not the blood of bulls and goats, but his own blood. And he's seated at the right hand of Father, of the Father, and on the throne of God. And he's interceding for us with his own blood. It says, so let's come boldly to this throne of grace. You know, when we come before the Lord in prayer, it's an exercise of faith. We're putting our faith into practice. Faith is not just something we talk about on Sundays and, and, and during the week when we see each other. This is something we put to work. We put to practice. Jesus said, the kingdom of, you know, the kingdom of God is like a man who planted a mustard seed in the ground. And it's just a little tiny seed. But when it has grown, it becomes huge. Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, be moved from here and into the sea, and you'll be done. Those mountains can be moved out of our life. God can deal with those mountains. Those things that seem to be so large and immovable. So just like the man plants the seed, we got to sow seeds of faith. Come boldly before the throne of grace. We have to exercise our faith before the throne of God. Come boldly before the throne of grace. You hear that word grace? That means we don't deserve it. It's a favor we don't deserve. Grace. Come boldly before the throne that we don't deserve. We don't deserve to be there. But it's because of the blood of Jesus that we can be bold. That's an exercise of faith. 
We don't deserve it in ourselves. But because we have faith in Jesus, we can come boldly, with confidence. It says, let us not cast away our confidence. And many of us, when the pressure's on, we cast away our confidence. I always remember the story of the first battle in the Civil War. The Northern Army went into Virginia, and they were so confident. They had everything going for them. They had more, they had more men, they had more weapons, they had better weapons, they had everything going in their favor. And they were so confident and proud until they got punched in the mouth. Because the Southern Army had something they didn't have. When the chips were down, they had confidence. These Yankees are coming into our territory. They're not going to take our land. We're going to give them a whooping. And they had this confidence that the Northern Army didn't have. And they smacked them so hard that the, all the Union Army turned and ran. The better the Army, well, well prepared, better equipped, better trained, it ran. And it kept on running for the first three years of the war. First two years of the war. And what was it? There was a lack of confidence. And they say that along, that was the first battle of Bull Run. And they say that when the, when the Union Army ran, the Yankee Army ran, all along the way, their weapons and everything were just cast aside. Their, their backpacks with ammunition, they threw everything aside. And they just ran like scared dogs. And threw off their ammunition, threw off everything. Their rifles, everything that held them back, running fast. And by the way, they were a great target. A, ru a running, <laughs> people running are a great target for someone in pursuit of them. And so it is with us. If we cast away our confidence, if we cast away all that's at our, at our disposal, and live in fear and anxiety, we're putting a bullseye on our back for the enemy. Because we're giving him our back. When the lion roars, don't give him your back. Be sober and vigilant. Because our enemy, the devil, tramps around like a roaring lion. Seek whom who you, he may devour. Resist, therefore, steadfast in the faith. In the faith. We have to have faith when the enemy when the lion roars. We have that faith. It is said that when lions want to take over and get some of a herd of zebras or antelope or whatever they're getting, they take the old lion, the weak old lion, and they put him on one side of the herd of whatever they want to attack. And on the other, the opposite side of the herd, they put all the young lions. And they set them, and they're all set in array. This is a, this is an instinctive plan of lions. And they take that old lion, and that old lion lets out a roar. And what does the herd of antelope or or uh, zebras or whatever it is do? They run in the opposite direction of the of the lion's roar. And what do they run in? They run into the trap. 
And so it is if we don't live by faith and stand up to the adversary, our adversary, and to the roar, his roar, and all the things that he brings against us. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and help for our need, for our time in need. And we certainly need mercy. Mercy like grace is not something we deserve. And for the people, some of the people we're praying for, they don't deserve the mercy. We pray for their mercy, God, that mercy on them. They don't deserve it either. We remember the story of how a woman came before Napoleon, the emperor of the dictator of France in the 1800, late 1700s. And she said, I'm asking you for mercy on my son who's condemned to death. And she said to him, and he said to her, Napoleon said to her, this guy doesn't deserve mercy. And she said to Napoleon, you're right. But that's why it's mercy, because he doesn't deserve it. And so she granted uh, a pardon to his son, to her son. Mercy is something we don't deserve. But we need. In chapter 11... In verse 1 of Hebrews, <laughs> Hebrews 11 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, for the, evi- the evidence of things not seen. This puts it in very simple terms for us. There is a substance called faith. It's a, an intangible substance, but it's a substance nonetheless. And it's the substance of what we hope for, and there's evidence for the things that we don't yet see, but we are believing for. There's something intangible here that we have to grab onto. If we have faith, there's going to be evidence of it. When before we come before the throne of God, we're going to come boldly. Because we understand and know about the grace of God. And we believe that the grace of God comes to us through the blood of Jesus. And that opens the door to the throne of God. And gives us opportunity, gives us privileges that people who are not in Christ do not have that opportunity that we have. Let's take hold of that opportunity. Look at what we have given to us. Look at the resources. Look what's at our disposal. Look what we have in Christ. 
to apply to our issues, to our temptations, to our problems, to those mountains that are in our life. Those mountains can be removed. Those issues can be resolved. There's answers to those problems. And those answers are before the Lord. This throne of grace that we're talking about. There is evidence in our life if we believe God. I mentioned one, the boldness when we come before the Lord. That confidence. Matter of fact, the evidence of things not seen, some versions say, the confidence of things we don't yet see. We have confidence about what we don't see yet. I haven't seen God act yet, but I have confidence. And that confidence comes in the exercise of our faith and prayer. It also comes in the way we speak. It comes in the way we think in our minds. And most importantly, as we think in our hearts. It says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. If we're thinking doubt and unbelief and anxiety and fear, that's who we are. That's what we're going to be. That's how we're going to live. If we feel hopeless and helpless, we feel distressed and dismayed, that's because it's what we're thinking in our heart. Faith is an issue of the heart. What we believe in our hearts. Verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And was not found because God took him. For before he he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. You know, that's all it says about him in the book of Genesis. And I remember as a young Christian saying, well, what was it about Enoch that he pleased God? Must have been really holy. Must have been doing... Did everything God said... I mean, I just went on and on and on, trying with my imagination to wonder, well, how can we be like Enoch? He pleased God. In the book of Ephesians it says that we should find out what pleases the Lord. And we think, oh, I gotta do all this, I gotta do all that. Sure, all those godly, holy things, sure, that's part of it. But what's at the very core of all of this? It's revealed to us in the next verse. Verse 6. For without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God, and this is what it tells us right here, this is how we please God. It's laid right out in this in this verse. He must believe that He is. God said, I am who I am. We must believe who God is and what He is and what He said about Himself. Sure. But listen to the second part of it. To please God, we must believe that we, He will reward us for diligently seeking Him. That's how we please God. Jesus was asked, what may, we, what, what, excuse me, what may we do 
to do the works of God. And Jesus answered, This is the works of God. To believe on Him who He sent. For our life, for our salvation, for our problems. Oh. You see, Jesus did that. He was completely dependent on the Father. His life was an example to us. We have to follow that example. To believe on Him who He sent. And saying it here. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Last week, weeks past, we talked about a perilous spirit. Why Christians don't pray the way they should? Why is their prayer life distracted? And they don't take the time to get alone with God. It's unbelief. We don't see the great reward if we diligently seek Him. Diligent means diligent. It means we're going after it. We're coming before the Lord. We're taking time to come before God. Or, you can take it on yourself. The Bible says, cast your burden on the Lord. Or you can carry your burden yourself. And so we diligently seek the Lord in prayer. We seek Him because we believe He's going to reward us. And you know what? It says that's one of the two things that we must do. We must do to please God. Not if we want to really, really, really please God. It says it's impossible to please God unless you believe that He is and that you believe that He will reward you for seeking Him. Now tell me that you're too busy for God's reward. To be rewarded by God. Do we, do we want God's blessing? Do we want God's help? Okay, well then take time out in our lives to diligently seek Him and believe that He will reward us You notice that it doesn't say God will reward us for diligently seek Him. It says it is impossible to please God unless we believe, unless we believe that He will reward us for diligently seeking Him. Because we can diligently seek Him but not believe that there's a reward in it. We can go through the religious exercise, oh, I'm praying to God every day, nothing's happening, and, and, and this is not another thing. But do you believe that He's going to reward you? Because that's the exercise of faith in believing that He's going to reward us for this exercise of faith. That it's not just a dead end. That God's not just going to drop us on our head for diligently seeking Him. Because honestly, sometimes we get into that carnal mindset. And we, we hate to admit it, but I think we all know that that's happened to all of us. That we fall into that mindset and we're not alone. Moses fell into that mindset. That's right, that Moses. The ten plagues of Egypt that came at his hand, the power of God through his hand. The Red Sea opening up. He saw God face to face on the top of Mount Sinai. Received the Ten Commandments written in stone by the finger of God. And the children of Israel complained, We're sick of this manna. Give us meat. 
Moses was at the end of his rope. He said before the Lord, I've had enough of these people. He said, these people, my children? He said, did I bear these children? He said, they're, all they're doing is complaining to me. And you just hear him just lay it out before God. I'm sick of this. He says, if this is what my life is going to be, then kill me here right now. This is Moses, man of God, prophet of God, who did God did many miracles through, many works and wonders in Egypt. God destroyed Egypt through him. So that shows you it can happen to anybody. Like we can lose confidence. That's why we read in Hebrews, don't throw away your confidence. Because it has a great reward. There's great reward. In the, in the book of Isaiah, in the last words of the book of Romans, chapter 9, and in one of Peter's letters, it says it three times. He who believes in Him will not be disappointed. He who believes on Him will not be disappointed. And so the Lord continued with Moses and said, okay, He said, I'm going to give you meat for you and all these people. Not for one day, not for ten days, or for a whole month. He can't stand it anymore. He gets sick of it. And Moses said, what are you going to do? Kill all of our flocks to feed all these people? There's 600,000 men, besides women and children. This is impossible. This is a big mountain. How are we going to give meat for How are you going to do this, God? I can't see how you can do this. And God's response was, has the arm of the Lord become short? Now you see whether I'm going to do this or not. And so wind came in. That's all it took. And blew flocks of quail all around the camp of the Israelites. And they ate meat for a whole month. But it said when the food, when the meat was just between their teeth, that God began to strike them with a plague. For their grumbling against God. For their unbelief. Unbelief is a serious thing. Faith is not for the super spiritual. It's for every Christian. To believe God. And if we want blessing from God, if we want God's help, if we want His mercy, if we want His grace, we must believe. That's how we enter into the, into the kingdom of God is through faith, right? In the, in the blood of Jesus. And that's how we get His help. It's by faith. <coughs> faith in what? Faith in what He said. Faith in His Word. If I asked you, hey, can you help me move on Sunday? Bring your truck and help me move on Sunday. You know, I'll move from here to there, one house to another. And you say, yeah. And then you walk away, and I'm starting thinking, I don't really know if he's going to come or not. I don't know if he's really going to help me. I really, I, I better not count on him, try to figure out something else, because I'm not really sure he's going to do it. Better have a plan B, just in case plan A doesn't work. 
What does that say I think about you if I say something like that? If I'm thinking that in my heart? If I think that you're not a man or woman of your word? That's what it means. That's when we distrust God. It means we're saying something about God's character. Because we see in His Word, ask and you shall receive that your joy might be full. So even when the pressure's on and things are looking as dark as dark can be, God still expects us to trust Him. Let's not make any excuses for mistrust. Because even when things are dark, God hasn't changed. God's Word hasn't changed. He who believes on Me shall not be disappointed. That's in the big picture. And we have to look at the big picture. Not what's happening today. The negativity that's happening today. We have to look in the big picture. Our whole life. And what God is doing. And we cast away our confidence for our problems. We're feeling anxious and fearful and doubtful and questioning. You know why that is? We're struggling with the carnal mind, with the flesh. The spiritual mind gives us life and peace. And the spiritual mind, the reason why to be spiritually minded is life and peace is because the spiritual mind has confidence in God, has confidence in the things He said. That's the spiritual mind. When we fall into mistrust, when we begin to doubt, make no mistake about it, that is the natural mind, that is the carnal mind, that is the mind of flesh. And there is a war going on between the two. And sometimes I'm this way, and sometimes I'm that way. Sometimes the flesh is winning, sometimes the spirit's winning. That's the double-minded man. Or back and forth and back and forth. We have to fight against that carnal mind. Because that carnal mind breeds death in our life. It brings disappointment. It brings discouragement. And all the other D words. Disillusionment. I've talked to a good many Christians that have been disillusioned with God. I've been there can't stay there. That is a bad place to be. That's painting a bullseye on you. It says that when we put our trust in God, that it will guard our hearts and minds. Our heart and our mind will be guarded. In the book of Ezekiel, <clears throat> chapter 22, I'm just going to read a couple verses there. It's up to you if you want to turn there. Ezekiel, chapter 22. And this is when Israel is very corrupt. And listen to what God tells Ezekiel the prophet. <clears throat> verse, chapter 22 of Ezekiel, and verse 29. The people of the land have used oppression, committed robbery, 
mystery of the poor and the needy. They wrongfully oppressed the stranger. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Therefore I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have repaid their deeds on their own head, says the Lord. You know, when it comes to believing God for the backslider, for those who have fallen backwards in the faith, for unbelievers who are loved ones of ours, or unbelievers who God has put into our life, can you hear what this is saying here? God was looking for someone to intercede on behalf of the children of Israel who were corrupt and sinning like this. So that he wouldn't bring judgment on them. He said he didn't find anybody, so he poured out his judgment on them. The message is very clear. We can intercede on behalf of those who are in darkness, or have fallen back into darkness. We can interfere on the behalf of those who are in bondage. But do we believe it? When we pray for those who are in darkness, do we believe that? That if we intercede on their behalf, that God will show them mercy. We read in the Bible that he who turns a sinner from his error of his way will save a soul from death. That God would open the door for his word so that they will hear. We'll finish with some words from Jesus. How is it you have no faith? Who did he say that to? He said it said to men who were sitting in a boat who was filling with water and being tossed by the waves. And there was a nasty storm in the process. Fishermen like this have been in a storm before, but this was this is a bad one. Jesus was reproaching them for, be, for being in fear. What if we were in that boat? What would we do? Would we be in fear? I often thought, when my time comes and the Lord takes me, if I know it's happening, What am I going to feel like? What am I, what's going to my reaction going to be? Am I going to have faith? And yet, you know, that happened to me some 15 or so years ago. I was laying in bed in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden, I had trouble breathing. And I got out of bed, and I, I was really struggling. My health was really struggling. And I'm thinking to myself, what's going on here? And I knelt down at the foot of the bed, And as I knelt down, I started praying out to the Lord. And as I was, I felt pain going from my chest all the way down my arm, just like a heart attack. Well, Lord, here it goes. And I remember grabbing onto Kate's foot. She was sleeping. And she woke up and she said, what's the matter? I said, something's wrong with me as I was passing out. And I fell to the floor. 
And I woke up, and she, I heard her calling 911. She's still talking to the dispatcher. And by the time the ambulance came, I was completely okay. As it turned out, they examined me. My heart was fine. It was ended up being a digestive issue. But boy, did it ever mimic a heart attack. They say when your vagus nerve swells, it interrupts blood flow to the heart, and that's why it did that. <laughs> I never heard of that before. I thought for sure, you know, this is it, you know. But I remember the one thing that I felt was that as I was praying, right before I passed out, I just remember that I didn't feel fear. I said, well, Lord, you know, here I am, you know. There wasn't, I remember I didn't panic. When the pressure is on, when we're in that boat, and the storms are filling up, our, our, our wa- and the waves and everything are coming, we're still going to put our trust in God. Jesus' disciples, who had been with them for several years and saw all of his miracles, they woke him up and said, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? <laughs> and people say that about God all the time. Doesn't God care? Look what He's let happening. Oh, we've all said that one time or another in our life. Hopefully as we get become an older Christian, we wise up to that. And we, our mind stays in the right place. And we come boldly to the throne of grace even in those times. Have boldness and confidence in the dark times. Because that's what faith is all about. It's having confidence in God. That's the evidence. The confidence of the things that we hope for. We have confidence in our heart. We have confidence in our mind. There's confidence in our speech. Not just a lot of talk. There's confidence. And there's a confidence in the our walk with God. How are we doing today? Have we been dragging a little bit in all this? Sure. We go through that we let the carnal mind beat us up. Let the enemy hammer us. Resist him. Resist that roar steadfast in the faith. I think today we have to examine how we've been struggling with all the what ifs in our life. What if God lets this happen? What if God lets that happen? We feel ourselves getting a little shorter of breath. Feel our our ourselves getting a little tighter inside. What if this happens? What if that happens? We gotta stop it. Honestly, we gotta stop it. We have to walk with God today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Jesus said there's enough trouble for today. You deal with today. And have faith for today. What about tomorrow, next week, next year? Stop it. Jesus said to stop, not me. He says, you got enough trouble for today. Let's focus on today. And come boldly to the throne of grace for today. What are the problems today? And don't let those giants of what if come into our life. You know, if we embrace those what ifs, there's a saying in the world, there's a term in the world for that. It's called Murphy's Law. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. We have to snap out of that and get away from that mindset. That's an evil mindset. 
It's a carnal mindset. It's the mindset of the world. But panic in the face of adversity. If we shrink in the day of adversity, the Bible says, our strength is small. But mightier is he that is strong in spirit than he that takes a city. We can interfere on the behalf of others. God is looking for others, for people to interfere on the on behalf of those who are in darkness. He is looking for people to interfere on their behalf for good. To intercede for those in trouble. So now we're going to say, well, we're too busy for that. And then when we see people being destroyed, we're going to complain. We see people's lives be destroyed. We see people going down the tubes. Are we going to complain about that? When we haven't done our due diligence? This is not condemnation. This is a wake-up call for all of us from the Word of God. God is seeking for intercessors to stand in the gap. I sought for a man among them who would be a wall before God's judgment and to intercede for their good, for their welfare. And so when we see a brother or sister struggling and fall backwards and back in the world, are we going to turn our nose at them? Are we going to be angry with them? Are we going to have an attitude towards them? Or are we going to intercede and stand in the gap on their behalf? Because that's what God is looking for. I just read it. But do we believe it? And this is a great mission of the church. The apostles understood, as we were reading in the book of Acts this past week, been studying through it in men's meeting, it talks about how the apostles were seeking for prayer, for God to open the door for the Word, and that they would speak boldly. Apostles praying for that. They're apostles with power and all sorts of stuff. They knew. They understood how this all works. And we have to understand it too. And not let anything, all that hell throws at us, we can stand against. That the gates of hell and death shall not prevail against us. Where is your faith? And he was astonished at their unbelief. It is because of your unbelief. According to your faith, let it be done to you. As you have believed... Let it be done to you. Those are the words of Jesus. Arresting those who are in unbelief and challenging them and commending those and rewarding those according to those who believe. Ephesians 5, I'm sorry, 3 probably. 
Ephesians 3, I think it is, He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that is within us. What is the power that is at work within us? Is it the Spirit of God? Or, or carnality? The Spirit of the world? The natural mind? Because it says here in Ephesians that God is able to do it but it's in proportion according to the power that's at work within us. With the power that is at work within us Spirit of God about all these things that we ask or think, all the things that we're interceding and calling on the Lord for, that releases the power of God. The power of God is released through faith. If you don't believe it, start in Genesis and go all the way to Revelation and you'll see it that God responds positively to those who believe. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And you can't diligently seek Him if you have no confidence in Him. If you don't have confidence in the things that He says, you're going to get discouraged and sooner or later you're going to stop. And you're going to think it's useless. You're going to become discouraged. And you're going to look for plan B. Brother Dave, 